So I'm Pastor Michael. We are doing a sermon series in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Bible. It's a collection of wise sayings that give us guidance on how to navigate life's problems, how to live in light of God's providence. And in this sermon series, we're going to narrow our scope and we're just going to look at what Proverbs has to say about relationships. And today we're looking at the relationship of friendship. Now, friendship of all the relationships seems the most optional, right? It seems the most disposable because you don't actually need it biologically to survive, right? You, you need parents to give birth to you. You need a spouse or at least a lover to give birth to children. You need the government to keep anarchy at bay. But do you need friends? And the Bible says... Absolutely. They are indispensable. So, with that in mind, let's read our texts. I have four Proverbs laid out in your bulletin. You can read along. First is Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 17.17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 20 verse 6, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. And then finally, Proverbs 27 verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So we learn three things here, and here's my outline. Number one, we learn that friendship is essential. Number two, we're going to look at the qualities of true friendship. And then finally, we're going to look at friendship with God. So number one, friendship is essential. So let's look again at the first proverb, 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So this proverb is telling us that you can have many companions in this life. You can have all kinds of acquaintances and classmates and work colleagues and all these people that you know by name. But true friends aren't that many. And actually, they are quite rare compared to these other relationships in your life. And not only are they rare, they are essential. Because notice the proverb says that many companions, although you you may have many companions, they will not save you from ruin. Because when you are in a time of crisis, when you are in a moment of danger, actually they're not much use. Because these companions, you know, they may be available, they may be happy to help when the times are good. But when times are bad, what you need is a friend. And the Bible here is telling us that without True friends in your life, you won't make it in this life. You're going to drown underneath the waves. The most famous friendship in the Bible, perhaps in all of world literature, is the friendship between David and Jonathan. You can read about their story in 1 Samuel. And what happens is that uh, in, the first ha- in the first part of David's uh, sort of public life, 
He's in the court of King Saul. He's serving King Saul. And if you read the story, you see that it was actually the most dangerous time in David's life because King Saul was murderously jealous of David. He saw David as this mortal rival, and so he was constantly plotting. He was constantly scheming against David, and actually he made numerous attempts at David's life. And so you could just imagine David's experience, right? It was the most evil, it was the most dangerous period in his life. How did David survive? And the answer is David survived because he had Jonathan's friendship. Jonathan was actually the king's son. And when you read the story, the language of this friendship is very intense. The text says at one point that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. That Jonathan loved the soul of David like he lo- as he loved his own soul. And this friendship surrounded and enclosed David. And not only did Jonathan at one point literally save David's life, but just as important, the friendship nourished and sustained David through his troubles. The friendship somehow contained the evil. It made it bearable. It made it endurable so that David didn't sink. And when you read the story, it's very clear that David would not have survived without Jonathan's friendship. The Bible is telling us something very profound. It's telling us that you're not going to make it in this life without deep friendship. Because at some point, you're going to face some deep trouble, some great evil in your life, and the weight of it is just going to pull you down. And if you don't have friends, if you don't have close friends, you're just going to sink beneath the waves. And so what Proverbs, what the Bible is telling us, please listen to me, is that friendship is indispensable in this life. It's not some bonus in, the li- in your life. It's not something extra that you could dispose of. It is indispensable. Or think about it in this way. See, you and I, human beings, you know what we are? We are the Imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. And I want you to think about what that means. Because you see, God is triune. He is this eternal fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from all of eternity, they're delighting in one another. They're serving one another. They're communing with each other. Do you know what that tells us? It tells us that friendship is at the very heart of God. Friendship is the very essence of who God is. And if we are created in His image, that means we were created for friendship. How could we possibly think that we can function without friendship? Here's the problem. There has never been a time or culture such as ours that so devalues friendship. There's all kinds of statistics and data that bear this out. One statistic that I've cited before is that in the 1950s, sociologists asked Americans, how many close friends do you have? 
And, and they defined close friends as people with whom you could share your intimate thoughts. People that, who really know you. And in the 1950s, the average American had five friends. Five close friends that they can confide in. By the 1980s, that number dropped to three. And right now, when that question is asked, the most common answer is zero. Even more shocking, in 2019, this is just last year, YouGov did a poll of millennials. And they found that 22% reported that they had no close, uh, they had no friends. Not, let me clarify, not no close friends. They had no friends at all. One in five millennials, let me pause for the plane. I know it doesn't bother everyone else, but it, it, it's like a blow dryer running in my ear. You get to join me in my sound neuroticism. Um, so YouGov, okay, which is this polling agency, they found that one in five millennials can't think of anybody in their life that they could call a friend. No friends at all. What do you think that kind of sustained isolation is going to do to people? The CDC did a study last year at the height of the pandemic. I could just go on and on with these statistics. They found that 26% of college-age uh, people had seriously considered and contemplated committing suicide. Did you know that suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people starting at the age of 10? The number one leading cause of death is car accidents. It kills a lot of people. But if you're a young person in your 20s and 30s, the most likely reason that you'll come to some untimely death, even though you're young and you're healthy, is that you'll get into a car accident. So drive safe, buckle up. The second most likely reason that you will suddenly die is that out of darkness and despair, you will take your own life. We can go on and on. Sociologists are calling this an epidemic of loneliness. It's one of the driving reasons why we have high rates of depression, anxiety, addiction, violence, and crime. If I had the time, we can go more into there. There's a very strong link between crime and loneliness. There are several studies that show that look, have looked at this. If you look at mass shooters, if you look at school shooters, virtually all of them are, are extreme loners who are lashing out in anger because they've experienced social rejection. There's so, so much of the social maladies and, and pathologies of our culture is linked to loneliness. So much so that Vivek Murthy, who is the current Surgeon General of the United States, he wrote a book called Together. And in the book he said, listen to this, loneliness is the single greatest health crisis face, facing the nation today. He is the top doctor in the nation. And he says that friendlessness is literally killing us. He studies chronic disease, and he says when you look at the macro data, it's more serious than cancer, than heart disease, than smoking or obesity. 
here's the problem. The modern world is optimized, is optimized for isolation. You can literally live off the internet. And if you don't want to, you never have to interact with another human being. But human beings weren't designed for isolation. We were meant to live in close-knit, basically tribal communities. That's what we were designed for. We were designed for friendship. Let me close this point by reading to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. It's so simple, but so profound. Listen to this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That's the, that's the problem of our, of our culture. And, and the answer is friendship is essential. So that leads me to my second point. How can we recognize a friend? So the qualities of a true friend. Let me go back to Proverbs 18 verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can have many companions in this life, but by definition, you can only have a few true friends. So how do you recognize them? And here Proverbs gives us two essential qualities And they are loyalty and truth. Let me go through them one at a time. Number one, loyalty. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Let me clarify very quickly first. Uh, This proverb is not talking about two different classes of people. It's not talking about a friend and then a brother. It's talking about one type of person. It's talking about a friend who is like a brother. And notice the essential quality of this friend. This friend will love you, and this is crucial, at all times. They won't just love you in the good times, because that's easy. They will love you in the bad times, when it is costly to do so. One of the gifts of adversity is that it clarifies for you who are your genuine friends. There's a very salty proverb, and I want to read it to you. It's very cutting. Listen to this. It's Proverbs 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Let me read it to you again. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. So the key to understanding that proverb is to realize that the word friend there is in quotes. So listen again. Wealth brings many new friends. You see, they're not really friends. They're just there for the ride. They're just there for the good times. And as long as they're having fun, as long as they're getting something out of it, they will stand with you. But when the troubles began... When success and wealth are gone, you see what the proverb says, a poor man is deserted by his friend. See, the Bible is a very realistic book. And what it's telling us is that most of the relationships in your life, when pressed to the limit, are actually superficial and transactional. 
your work colleagues, your classmates, your social media friends. They all associate with you and it's based on a set of conditions. And that's not necessarily wrong, right? You cannot, it's unreasonable to expect that everyone in your life will be completely devoted to you. You can't do the same for them. But what this proverb is saying is that you need to be wise. You need to know who you can depend on, who you can confide in, who you can trust. Proverbs 20 verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. You see, words are cheap. What matters is when the chips are down. When you're facing some kind of disaster. When the rest of the world condemns you and rejects you. And you're all alone. And you're all alone and in that terrible place, a true friend will stand with you. And they will support you. And they will cover you with their love. And they will carry your burdens with you. It's a precious thing, friendship. So that's the first trait. Friendship is loyalty. It's constancy. It's someone that you can depend on in a time of need. The second trait is truth-telling. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So it seems paradoxical. Because a friend will wound you with their words. They will speak truths into your life that will be very painful. And it will cut right into you. But you need them. Remember what we talked about two weeks ago, right? All of us, we are blind fools, stumbling in the darkness, headed to disaster. And only a friend will come alongside of us and tell us, you're acting like a fool. Proverbs 27, verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. You see, only a friend has the standing to tell you the bad news. Because only when you are safe in the relationship, when you have the assurance of their love, can you bear strong rebuke. Otherwise, it's unbearable. It's it's crushing. And the rebuke doesn't build up, it only destroys. This is why giving rebuke is very risky. Because you're putting the relationship to the test. Will the person bear the painful wounds of truth? This is why most of the people in your life won't rebuke you. They may complain about you behind your back, but they won't say it to your face. Because most people are protecting themselves. They will say nice things. They will be polite. But you mustn't confuse that with authentic friendship. Proverbs 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. You see, a friend will be totally honest with you. And you will be able to bear it. Because at the same time, they are totally committed to you. You see, you need both. You need loyalty You need truth. You need constancy. You need candor. 
Those are the essential ingredients of genuine friendship. That leads me to my final point, friendship with God. The most famous passage on friendship in the Bible is John 15. In John 15, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and this is what he says to them. Verses 12 through 15, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. One of the most remarkable things about Christianity is that the essence of our relationship with God is friendship. No other religion in the world says anything close to this. In all other religions, the gods or the God is our master. He's the ruler of the universe. But Jesus says God has come to call you his friends. If you read throughout the Bible, the highest status that you can possess is to be called a friend of God. This is a title that was given to Enoch, to Noah, to Abraham and Moses. Because the most consummate experience in this world is to be a friend of God. Now here's the question. How does God in Christ show us his friendship? Remember, the two essential marks of authentic friendship is loyalty and truth. You see, a friend is loyal. Loyalty means unwavering commitment in the face of and especially in light of adversity and hardship. How do you know if someone will be steadfast to you or if they will run or try to get rid of you at the first sign of trouble? How do you know? And the answer is when it costs them, when they bleed. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. The cross, I want you to understand, the cross is the faithful friendship of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say, I'll take a bullet for you. He actually took the bullet of judgment and hell for us. So number one, a friend is loyal. Number two, friendship is truth. It's telling the truth. And what that means is that friendship makes demands on you. And when you're doing it right, the friendship will ultimately change you. Jesus doesn't just come into your life, save you from your sins, and then leave you alone. But listen to what he says in John 15. says, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You see, Jesus Christ came to teach us, to show us a new life, a new way of being, a new mode of existence. And so the friendship of Jesus, if you receive it, 
It will transform you. That is how all authentic friendships work. Let me close with a final thought. Earlier, I I cited some dire statistics about our culture. And as I said, we can go on and on. There are many, many such studies. The modern world is increasingly a world of loneliness. And the trend lines show that it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And everyone feels it. Everyone is suffering from it. But no one wants to commit. Do you know why? Because no one wants to be a sucker. No one wants to be left holding the bag. We live in a world of hyper-mobility. Everyone is constantly moving around for their job, for school, for economic opportunity. We live in a world that is optimized for wealth and career advancement. And in that world, people drop relationships like that. We all know it. This is why we say, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to commit to you. I'm not going to open my heart to you if I know that you're just going to move on when something better comes along. I'm going to hold on to my relationships loosely and I'm always going to be prepared to say goodbye. So what is the answer? What's the answer? I believe this with all of my might. I believe the answer is that the church and our church in particular is this unique place where you can cultivate deep, enduring friendships. The vision of our church, you should all know it by now, is to follow Jesus and to help others to follow Jesus. That's a vision for friendship. But I want to acknowledge here that I know for many people, for many people, The church is not a safe place. The church is actually a place of deep wounding. And maybe it's because we have such high expectations of each other. And so a lot of people have been burned in the church. A lot of people feel betrayed by the church. I know because I've been burned too. And so I don't want to, I don't want us to be naive. This is really hard, really hard. Because the church is not a museum of saints, it is a hospital for sinners. And when I look out onto the field here today, I see a lot of wounded people. So here's the answer. Let's do this carefully. Let's do this thoughtfully. Let's build slowly bridges of trust and friendship. And it's going to take a long time. There are no shortcuts. But let us do it with intentionality and determination by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe 
This is the only hope for humanity. This is my life mission. Jesus said, this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Almighty God, for many of us, discussion on friendship is full of heartache and grief. And we come limping and wounded by the past. But we know that the answer is not to close doors. It's not to withdraw inward and to make ourselves safe from rejection. Because that is the path of death. We were created in your image. We were created for friendship. Our hearts long for genuine connection and comradeship. Here's the gospel. In Christ, we have it. We have the truest friend that our hearts desire. And now from that spiritual wealth of love and security, let us befriend others. Let us pour ourselves out for others in this church and let us also invite others into this community of friends. This is how the world will know that we are your disciples if we love one another. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.